I'm Dr. G, and for the past 10 years of my life, I've been passionate about all things holistic healing. I've been committed to healing myself and others from the inside out by incorporating some of the most effective modalities for healing the mental, the emotional, and the physical. I've learned that they give us the opportunity to be our most authentic and powerful selves. Heal Thyself is a show dedicated to just that. Today's show is going to be incredible, and I say it every week, of course I do, because it is incredible. Knowledge bombs of digestible information to empower and create clarity on what the highest version of us looks like. Product reviews to provide informed consent so you can buy the safest and best products out there, better than the first two that I spoke about, and you're getting other B vitamins, which are energizing, right? Get off of it, throw it away. And special guest segments with some of the brightest and most elite minds in their field. So what is that like on my nervous system? Six hours of holding that emotion. Here's the earth, here's the mechanisms and mechanics of an earth when it breathes. We would think much different about that asthma patient that shows up. All to create change in all the parts that make you, you, so we can start healing ourselves and each other. All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself for the new year. And I got to tell you, I am feeling refreshed. Um, I had COVID uh, just like everyone did. Uh, so many, so many people. Uh, when I left LA, got it here. And then when I went to New York, got it there. For me, it was, in my experience, uh, felt like a cold. But then um, right after, as I was quarantining, as we saw the CDC change their guidelines, got to go to Mexico and feel refreshed. And I feel so good, man. And what I noticed, it's just incredible. You know, one thing about being on vacation is your nervous system is relaxed. You don't have to do all of the things that you don't really necessarily want to do throughout the day. You're off of work. But two things that I noticed on vacation that was really, really helpful was walking. I made sure that I was walking 10,000 steps every single day. I was measuring it at the end of the day. And that was so helpful because I didn't work out once in two weeks, but it was so helpful for all the food that I was eating, keeping me in balance, getting me to sleep because I know I had some sort of exercise and sun. Now, when you go on vacation, not every place you go is going to give you sun, but man, that Mexican sun, I felt refreshed. I felt good. I was thriving. I was vibing. So a reminder, two things, make sure you're walking a lot. We chose to not use taxis as much as possible in order to get the most amount of steps. So I'm refreshed and I feel good and I hope you all do too and I hope you had a really wonderful holiday and new year. What I wanna talk about today, and we have amazing guests coming on in relation to this Knowledge Bomb segment, a lot of people wanna have kids this year or a kid and I wanna talk about how to optimize your fertility in the context of the top three ways, the top three things. Remember we talked about the principles of medicine is giving the body what it needs and removing, removing all of those obstacles to healing. Now, I'm gonna talk about the three things that you need to do, fellas and moms out there, future moms out there. Three things that we need to do to optimize our chance of getting pregnant and having a healthy pregnancy. Super, super important, okay? And our special guests are two midwives coming from the Tourmaline Collective in San Diego, which I visited last year to see what they're doing. And it's an integrative center really incredible place that helps moms preconception during pregnancy and postpartum on how to have a healthy overall experience. And it's so important, right? Because it starts early on. 
So we're going to get some beautiful information about what midwifery is, how we can access it, what are some of the myths behind it, right? Um, is it safe? Can, can we go down that route? Why aren't we all doing it? So we're going to learn all about it, going to iron out a lot of these wrinkles and really find out uh, how powerful it can be. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And they're quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU, and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. You remember I had Dr. Shala Salem on the show and uh, she's a fertility specialist. And if you're looking to have a child, go back to that show actually and listen to her segment. It was incredible. She really went into some of the things that are holding us back from our fertility. But I wanted 
make it quick. And I really want to give you the goods on what are the three things you need to look out for and how you can optimize your chances of getting pregnant. All right, so according to the National Health Service of UK, about 84 of 100, having regular sex every two to three days throughout the month, they will get pregnant, all right? And we know as we get older, fertility is going to drop right? That's obvious. And there's more data showing that uh, women aging versus men aging, the fertility or the impact of fertility is reduced in women. Furthering the National Health Service study, ages 19 to 26, 92% will conceive after one year and a, a 98% after two years. But the ages of 36 to 39, 82% will conceive after one year and 90% after two years. And this is every two to three days throughout the month of having sex. These are the statistics about getting pregnant. Now, here in the US, according to the National Institutes of Health, in couples younger than 30 who are generally healthy, 40 to 60% of, of these folks will be able to conceive within the first three months. In the United States, we see that couples after one year of having unprotected sex, 12 to 15% are unable to conceive. And after two years, 10% still won't be able to conceive. So it's estimated that one in 10 women between the ages of 15 and 44 will have trouble conceiving. In the United States, 9% of men and about 11% of women of reproductive age experience fertility problems. And the problems don't lay all on the woman. One third infertility is because of the female partner. One third because of the male, and one-third can't be identified. But the can I be identified part of it, we're gonna identify, and we are identifying already. And fertility can be a complex issue, right? Because there's multiple factors that play roles for the partners, right? So for us, we really have to iron out the most important ones. Of course, think about it. We have to optimize the health, the body of the parents. We have to optimize their sperm. We have to optimize the egg. We also have to optimize the environment that the baby's coming to. The body's so smart. It's not gonna wanna get pregnant if the environment isn't healthy either. So as I mentioned before, we know that fertility declines with age and uh, it's more gradual in males than in females. So according to the National Institute of Health, women are about half as fertile in their 30s as they were in their early 20s. So other risk factors, according to the Cleveland Clinic, that increase the risk of fertility in all genders, diabetes, eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, overexercising, radiation therapy that we see uh, commonplace in cancer treatment, STDs, smoking, stress, substance abuse, weight problems, obesity, or being uh, uh, underweight. And two more, which I'm gonna mention as my top three, so I won't mention them yet, but they're in this list too. But what are some risk factors that, that impact female fertility? Abnormal menstruation, blocked fallopian tubes, of course, celiac disease, kidney disease, a past history of ectopic, the tubal pregnancy, pelvic inflammatory disease, pituitary gland disorders, uh, such as Cushing syndrome, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, ovarian cysts, primary ovarian insufficiency, sickle cell anemia, any uterine problems that we can see, endometriosis, uterine fibroids, and thyroid disease. 
What about the risk factors for male fertility? The risk factors for male infertility include enlarged veins, varicose seals in the scrotum, genetic disorders like cystic fibrosis, high heat exposure to the testicles, believe it or not, or tight clothing that utilize or use utilizing hot tubs or saunas, uh, increasing injury or any injury to the testicles or scrotum, low sperm count due to low testosterone, past history or overuse of anabolic steroids, premature ejaculation, uh, testicular cancer. So amongst all of that, uh, I didn't mention the top three because I took them out of that list, but I want to mention my top three, in my professional opinion, the most important interventions to do as future parents in order to uh, give yourself a better playing field to get pregnant. So uh, I mentioned again, the signal to the body. The body is so smart, it knows whether or not it's safe to get pregnant and whether or not it's safe to bring a child to this world. The number one Number one intervention for having a baby is awareness of environmental toxins, specifically those toxins that are known endocrine disruptors. Now, I talk about those a lot for a good reason. And I'm going to echo a lot of what Dr. Shela Salem said. She had mentioned many of these endocrine disruptors are doing just that. They're disrupting our hormones, which are disrupting our sperm, disrupting the egg, disrupting conception. The most notorious chemicals that affect fertility negatively are BPA and phthalates, and those may be the most potent of all. They affect the activity of estrogen, testosterone, and thyroid. Now, BPA is found in plastic linings. It's everywhere. Plastic bottles, uh, canned foods, the lining inside of it, children's toys, baby bottles, which was banned in the European Union in 2011 and in the U.S. in 2012 sports bottles, receipts, thermal paper. BPA has been shown to have a strong link to increasing hormones, particularly estrogen, which is going to affect testosterone, which is going to affect the way we produce sperm and a healthy, viable sperm. It also causes insulin resistance. And I just mentioned before, insulin resistance can lead and is a major risk factor for infertility because it can lead to diabetes. Now we see tons of data that can affect your hormones, even at lower doses in the EPA and the FDA allow. And we also started seeing this in the 1990s, that doses lower than what's regulated are causing hormonal disruption. And it's already poorly regulated as it is. It can contribute to PCOS, which I mentioned earlier as a risk factor. And overall, we're seeing a decrease egg quality, reducing the ability of the embryo to implant, reduces the embryo quality, decreasing sperm quality, reduces success rates with fertility treatments, if you're doing that, and increases miscarriage rates. So BPA is a major, major, major disruptor to our fertility. Other chemical that needs to be put in the spotlight is fragrance. This is found in perfumes and colognes, shampoos, conditioners, soaps, lotions, plugins, candles, detergents, fabric softener, cleaning supplies. If you're planning on having a baby, all of these need to go in the garbage, right? Fragrance is a major disruptor to your hormones. And we know that the fragrance term can encapsulate 300 plus chemicals. Along with that, many fragrances contain a specific endocrine disrupting chemical with them. And I mentioned it earlier when I mentioned BPA, it's phthalates. They're intimately connected, chemically connected, and it's a major problem for fertility. And this is found in toys, vinyl flooring, and wall coverings, detergents, lubricating oils, food packaging, pharmaceuticals, blood bags and tubings, yes, personal care products, nail polish, hairsprays, aftershave, lotion, soap, shampoos, perfumes. 
It's everywhere, right? But these are toxins that are known to affect your reproductive system. And they disrupt that delicate balance of hormones, especially estrogen. And these chemicals like BPA can throw a monkey wrench into ovulation. Like BPA can reduce egg quality and cause harmful development of the eggs. It increases overall loss of pregnancies. And fellas, if you're listening, this chemical can alter your sperm through inflammation from the oxidative process. This chemical is nasty. And also I wanna to bring to the awareness another toxin, and it is radiation. And um, you'll remember if, if you go back on my Instagram, I did uh, a very specific reel on studies showing men, this is for men, cell phones put in the pocket is reducing sperm viability, right? Sperm quality, the concentration of the amount of sperm, their motility of how well they're swimming. So we need to be very aware, fellas, if we're trying to have a baby, you got to get that cell phone out of your pocket. And if you are having it in your pocket, put it on airplane mode. Okay, that was number one. Number two and three can be interchangeable because they're just as important. But number two, I put his diet, right? You gotta dial in your diet if you're trying to have a kid. Standard American diet, we know super inflammatory, can disrupt your hormones, your eggs, your sperm. Uh, we're also nutrient deficient. Yes, even in America, we are nutrient deficient. We are well fed, but we are poorly nourished. So what are some of the most important foods that we see in studies for fertility? Folate rich foods, not a surprise, but for men, very important nutrient for healthy semen. For females, very important nutrient, and I'm sure you know this, to help form the neural tube. Folic acid or folate is very important because it can help prevent major birth defects, especially to the baby's brain and their spine. Another important nutrient is omega-rich foods. You gotta get those in. If you eat meat, it can come from fish. If you don't, or if you do and still don't wanna just eat fish, nuts and seeds are a healthy source as well. And this is a nutrient that's very important, fellas, for adequate, healthy sperm. And ladies, it's very important because during pregnancy, it is critical for a building block for the fetal brain and their eye, their retina. Omega-3 uh, fatty acids also play an important role in determining the length of gesta gestation and preventing perinatal depression. Did we know that? Very important. So uh, make sure you're loading up on this if you haven't been or just balancing your diet. And I'll go a little bit more into some, some other interventions that we can do dietarily. Gotta get enough protein even before you're pregnant, right? You gotta make sure. So women out there, make sure you're eating a good amount of clean protein, you're active, and you're eating at least 80 grams of clean, good, healthy protein, whole food sources, always before protein powders. Uh, but it's essential, right? Because when you do end up getting pregnant, it's so important for the growth of the baby, the tissues, the organs, DNA, immune system, everything. It's a healthy building block for blood even, right? And that's vitality for you and your child. What you wanna do is make sure you're getting a mix of vitamins and minerals. It depends on the person what you need more of, but you can rest assured that if you're getting a good variety, you're in a good place. So make sure you're getting a lot of fruits and vegetables, all the colors of the rainbow. It's a staple of your diet. If you have the ability I would recommend working with a naturopathic doctor or a functional doctor and working with them before you get pregnant because they can give you a nutrient panel and really analyze what particular nutrients your body needs before conception, right? During when you're pregnant and post-conception to avoid um, postpartum depression or, or even helping you with, uh, with uh, lactating. So very, very important that you're making sure that your nutrients are dialed in uh, and also they can just help lead you to whatever individualized foods you need to be eating. 
On top of that, I did mention toxins before. They can test you for toxins. They can show you what your highest exposures are and they can help you get that out of your body, remove the sources and help you um, with your natural detoxing. So super important stuff. Now, aside from omega-3s and healthy fats and folate and protein, you're definitely going to need to make sure you have adequate amount of calcium, vitamin C, vitamin A, iron-rich foods, and fiber-rich foods. Um, they, your doctor may also give you a really good quality prenatal, and shout out to the Swell Score store where we have the best prenatals uh, on a side note. Uh, but speaking about fiber-rich foods, it does lead me to a very important point about the microbiome in pregnancy, right? It has to be optimized before you get pregnant. And this is for men and women, right? Both parents, if you're listening. The body of both the parents need to be healthy enough, enough to give the signal that it's safe to reproduce. And healthy gut translates to healthy metabolic balance, which translates to healthy metabolic signals. And it tells your body and parents that the world is safe and it's healthy. A healthy gut translates to a balanced, balanced inflammation in the body. And that's translating to healthy metabolic signals as well and telling the parents in the world and the body that it's safe. And healthy gut translates to healthy hormones. Very, very system that is so important and delicate, but so, so important in fertility. And it tells the body that the parents are healthy and the world is safe. So really, really important that the gut microbiome is focused and we're giving it the most amount of love we can before getting pregnant. Another important role that the microbiome plays is making sure you have healthy nutrient uptake, right? It's reducing inflammation in the gut and, and then where you're absorbing nutrients in the small intestine, it's helping those nutrients get absorbed. Strengthens the body for pregnancy, both the sperm and the egg. So really, really important. And we're actually seeing small studies now that are showing, they're identifying what particular bacteria, healthy bacteria, the good bacteria in the gut have a role in fertility and bifidobacterium has been one of them. So you want to make sure that if you plan on getting pregnant, you and your partner, you want to make sure you open up that refrigerator and you have a good amount of fermented foods. We recently just did a show on fermentation and we learned uh, kefir, milk kefir. It doesn't have to be dairy. I drink coconut kefir. should be in the fridge. Sauerkraut, right? Kimchi. All of these should be in your fridge if you plan on getting pregnant, but also you're following through by having a good amount of fiber. You wanna make sure you have fiber rich foods. Look up, go on Google, even if you can right now and type in prebiotic rich foods, go to images and look at all of the foods that are prebiotic rich, right? You'll see things like jicama, you'll see things like leeks, scallions, onion, all of leafy greens, uh, apples, amazing stuff that you can, you have access to. You can go to the farmer's market, grab them, but load up your refrigerator with not only color and variety, but make sure you're focusing on those prebiotic foods and fermented foods in there and helping build that good, healthy microbiome. It could take up to three months, four months, five months. So it's always good to get a head start if you're planning on having a kid. And I'll say a side note, if you are a vegan, you can have a very healthy conception, uh, pregnancy, and child, you just may need to work with someone if you are not educated in this, okay? Number three, which I said could be number two, it could even be number one, is alcohol. If you plan on having a kid, you gotta stop drinking alcohol uh, months before, minimum. Uh, and for me, it's one of the biggest toxins. It is an environmental toxin and huge disruptor for fertility. And scientific evidence is showing the impact is significant. And it's any amount of alcohol. There's no safe amount of alcohol. We know that in general, but when it comes to fertility, there's absolutely no safe amount of alcohol. So men, it disrupts your hormones. 
the worst of them being beer. It increases estrogen, reduces testosterone. It affects the quality of your sperm. It disrupts DNA. It can increase the percentage of your sperm that have DNA fragmentation damage or even apoptosis, which means the cellular damage and the cellular breakage. So very, very important men out there that we make sure we're reducing, if not completely removing alcohol from our diet. For women out there, if you're drinking alcohol, it will prevent proper implantation of the egg in the uterus, increases pregnancy loss, and if you ever end up doing IVF and drinking, it will increase your risk of miscarriage by 38%. So there you have it. Really important interventions, but not expensive, right? The most expensive is your time, and in your time, you create more awareness, right? Learning about what toxins you're consuming or putting on your skin or breathing in, and you can remove from your home and in your diet that will be doing right by your body and preparing you for a healthy conception. Also, understanding what foods are giving your body the nutrients and building blocks that it needs for a healthy body to open up the space for proper conception and ultimately a healthy baby. And also knowing what one of the most powerfully negatively uh, inducing, inflammation inducing agents, alcohol, in there and and in our diet and how we can remove them. So there you go. Those are my top three. And if you do have those in your life and planning on having a baby, here's where you start. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid, scientific, research based, rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity. And this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. 
But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open that I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights and these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. It trusts everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. A year ago, I went down to San Diego. I went down to this amazing center. It's a wellness and birthing center. It's called the Tourmaline Collective. And I walk in and I meet some of the most amazing women doing the most amazing things when it comes to really guiding people, men and women, couples down the path, all the way from preconception to having that beautiful baby. So I'm blessed enough to have two of the licensed midwives with me and founders, Moral Shabak and Allison Tatari, they're licensed midwives. And we are going to dive into so many things because I've never had two special people with this much information on a show ready to talk about this important stuff. And um, for me, my interest was piqued when I learned that from the beginning to end, you're supporting women and couples to go through this process, which is so amazing because we don't see that everywhere in every single town in America. So welcome to the show. Thank you. And, and thank you already, I'm going to say it before the show ends, for, for what you both do for men and women, because uh, it's amazing stuff. And when I was in there, I was learning so much about the team that you have is amazing. It's, it's an integrative team that helps people uh, and support them overall. But hi, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, thank you. We're so excited to be here and just, yeah, share this amazing knowledge that we have. Yeah, we've been, it's a long time coming, but why don't you, t I would love to know how you both got into this, first of all. Gosh, that's such a good question. People ask us that all the time because it's not like a super mainstream profession. Um, for me, it was really organic. It completely found me. I was at um, University of California, Irvine, and I was a gender and sexuality studies major. Anthropology was my other degree. And I just had a lot of classes that were about this like intersection of women's health and medicine and how we need to improve outcomes for women or basically all non-cis males. And um, at the time I was commuting back and forth to LA um, and I was living across the street from this birth center, which I had no idea. Um, and I was kind of like absentmindedly talking to my neighbor about like, oh, I, I think I want to do something in like, like women's health, maternity care. 
I'm learning about midwifery. There's two different kinds of midwives. I don't really know that much about what a licensed midwife is. That information wasn't even mm -hmm. really accessible to me. Um, and they were like, well, we just had our baby at this birth center across the street. You should go over there and check it out. So I walked over there. I met with the owner and she kind of laid out to me like licensed midwives support natural, normal birth. And it seems like that's the way you want to go. Um, and she sent me to take this amazing class with Elizabeth Davis, who's a very senior midwife called Hearts and Hands in Northern California. So I took that class and just like fell in love with supporting this super normal process, which is not usually how we're taught that birth moves forward. We think it needs a high level of intervention. So um, they took me on as a student and eight years later, I own a birth center. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing because you were right across the street from one. Totally. It was like, oh, here is your purpose. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. right in front of you. And then you finally stepped into it just through a conversation. Yeah. I, I just love hearing about the synchronicities in people's lives. How about you, Allison? Mine's very different. I'm all the same. <laughs> That's really impressive. <clears throat> I... I had three kids in hospital and all epidurals, like this is how most women give birth in the United States. Yeah. And my journey started, I um, started a nonprofit and we did, we do holistic music therapy with hospitalized children at Radies in San Diego. And we're in the cardiac and ICU. So I was always around the holistic world, saw a lot of really young kids coming in that were very sick, like eight month olds with cancer and didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand why so many kids were sick. So um, after my third, my third birth, I had a really bad experience. My epidural, um, where they put the needle in, the cerebral spinal fluid leaked out. Mm -hmm. And I had a, it makes you so sick. It was like they take blood from your arm and shoot it in your spine and create a scab. They did it three times. And I was sick for three weeks. Mm -hmm. You can't keep your head up, right? You have to walk like this if you're walking. And <clears throat> so you're on a lot of pain meds. I got a really bad breast infection and my son couldn't nurse and he was sleeping and it was miserable. So when I got pre pregnant with my fourth, I was like, so I will never let anyone touch my spine again. Like I could not imagine going through that. And I had never experienced unmedicated birth, so I had no idea. So I just started doing a lot of research on alternatives. There was a birth center in San Diego that which was pretty awesome. It takes Medi-Cal, so you can go in there if you have insurance, everything is covered. Um, at that point, they were still doing home visits after. Um, and I had a beautiful water birth, unmedicated, and it was the best experience I've ever had. My husband being from Brazil, where they have like nine, over 95% cesarean rate, was really nervous in the beginning, but he, um, he surfs and he loves water. He's like, this is amazing. My son's being born into water. <laughs> and so we had a really beautiful experience. And I had an amazing doula and she was a medical student, but she was doing doula work. Um, and being around her and meeting the midwives, I was like, this has to do, I know this is related to why so many kids are sick, like the way they're born prenatally, like how moms are living, their nutrition, et cetera. And that led me to doing research and I became a doula myself. And then I knew that I could not do that like sustainably and raise four kids. So I was like, I want to start a birth center. So that I don't, and I want to run that. Like I, I am a midwife now, but my goal, like I have a lot of other business goals as far as the center goes. So that's my, how I got here. Amazing firsthand experience too. 
I was just talking about epidurals yesterday because the person I was talking to had no idea what it was. No one knows it's fentanyl. Yeah, and 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 it goes right into your spine, yeah. right there's in no there. There's no side effects. There's no side effects. Yeah. So I was oh, and they, and they were like, "What? No, I thought it goes right into your arm." And I was like, "No, no, no, no. It's it's a real it's, it's a real in needle in between the vertebrae, like into Ooh, the. It's, I'm cringing. Um, but okay. So can lead us down the road. What does a midwife do? Uh, how how is going into that specialty or working with a midwife different than conventionally what we all know? Because what you both were talking about in the beginning, that's what I thought. It was just like before school, we just go to the hospital and, mm-hmm. you know, you get an epidural and uh, we have a kid. And um, once I started <laughs> learning about that whole world, I was like, whoa, that I had no idea that this is this is so much more natural of a way to bring a baby into the world without all of the stress and the lights and the sounds and and the medicine, medications if needed, um, but most are not even necessarily. I saw we, really quick before you answer the question, we were talking about that Ricky Lake uh, documentary. Yeah, what the was the name of, of it? Born. The Business of Being Born. I saw it in school and, and I was it's just, so my eyes were just staring at my little iPad at the time and I was like, whoa, that really opened me up. But anyway, I'll go back to the question. What, what's a midwife do? So I feel like at its core, midwifery is holistic, individualized, preventative medicine. Um, So that's why it's so important for our clients to come in either in the preconception before getting pregnant or at the very beginning part of pregnancy, because we're trying to achieve really ideal health for that individual's body based on exactly what they're needing. Um, I would say that's the main difference. We're not waiting with our interventions, which we do have. We're working to create a really healthy body. And um, because we know we're planning an out-of-hospital birth, we know that some of those like higher levels of interventions are far away. So we want to make sure our clients are doing well. So our appointments are an hour long because we're looking for really different things than what a traditional OB is looking for, right? So of course we're looking for those like basic vitals, right? Want to make sure blood pressure is not high. We want to make sure the baby is growing appropriately. Um, But even looking at those major things, we're not just looking at like, where are we in regards to our cutoffs, right? With like hypertension, that's an example I like to use um, because it's really clear, right? There's a line in the sand, um, 140 over 90. Above that, we're we're Mm -hmm. hypertensive. But because we're spending an hour with our clients and we're really looking at their trends and their health, we're looking at what's happening in their lives. If we're seeing a buildup of their blood pressure over several visits, we're going to do our preventative medicine. We're going to do those things before we get to that cutoff. Because once we get there, there's no going back, right? We have that diagnosis. Everything shifts in Mm -hmm. the care. Um, And we use our like tier method for our interventions, right? So if we see that's creeping up, we might look at their diet. Is there something we need to take out? Do we need to look at some of our Eastern medicine tools like uh, acupuncture, Ayurvedic healing? Um, And then our next step is, okay, we're going to go to herbs. So we have this like amazing herb wall at the birth center. Mm -hmm. Um, They're mostly tinctures and decoctions that we make ourselves. So, you know, if I'm seeing that go up, maybe we're going to start a hops tincture Mm -hmm. so that we make sure that we're controlling that before we get to that crazy zone. So Mm -hmm. that's really the essence of midwifery is preventing problems so we don't have to use our interventions. Mm-hmm. That's and, pa- that's powerful. To to I mean, it's like na- it's the same thing we do in naturopathic medicine. It's mm-hmm. getting ahead, prevention, and mm-hmm. getting ahead of the problem. So, if and when they come, you're prepared. But also, they usually don't come because you're preparing from the get go. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, Helson. No, it's fine. I was just going to add, like, 75% of what we talk about is nutrition, mm-hmm. because whether it's anemia, hypertension. Um, G, uh, gestational diabetes, almost all of those mm-hmm. can be controlled by adjusting your diet. 
<clears throat> so instead of just risking them out, our goal is, and this is a big difference between mid midwifery and OB care is, um, we are going to put the power in their hands. We're gonna empower them. If this is how they wanna give birth, then they have to take control and educate themselves. We're here to support them, but it's not the patriarchal setup where we're like, we need you to do this, you must do this and take this and this. So right. we offer all the same testing, we're on the same mm -hmm. schedule, but we give them informed consent and they choose what they wanna do. And if they don't want to be um, compliant, mm -hmm. I hate that word, but if they don't wanna be proactive, then they might not be a good candidate for this yeah. because it takes a lot of work. We are living in a country that this is not how we were raised. This is not our culture. Out of hospital birth is very rare, where in other countries, midwives are the majority of caregivers, especially for women. So um, it's just a really different model of care here. So it takes extra training and you're actually, you're untraining. Mm. You have to untrain, your, you have to learn to just get rid of all, everything that you're used to hearing and what's normal and thinking that it is safer to give birth in hospital because for most people it's safer to give birth out of hospital. There is a small percentage of women, I believe it's like 17% that should be in the hospital and we don't ever try to touch that and we are so happy to have that um, surgery and that intervention. Um, but the majority of people, if they're healthy, it's safer because there's they're not on the same timeline. It's not, um, we're not seeing the same amount of patients, so we can give individualized care and they have more time. Mm -hmm. They're not putting on a, on a time clock where they can only labor so long, they can only be pregnant so long. In OB care, they're at 39 weeks talking about um, induction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When there's no science behind that, it's not a safer, there really isn't. There, it's not a safer time. Babies should not be born at 39 weeks. First time moms, the average mom goes into labor at 41 and one. 41 and 1 to 3, mm -hmm. but we're wanting to induce at 39 weeks. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. It, and I think you said something very important, that it is safer mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. give birth out of hospital. So then it begs a question, why are so many of us being just led to hospital birth, hospital birth, hospital birth? What's behind that? Why? When did that happen? What, like, where, where, where have we lost our way? That ha that started like in the fifties. That's mm -hmm. when it became where it's a business. Like mm -hmm. they just decided mm -hmm. to turn pregnancy into an illness, and it's money. Yeah. And when you when you use scare tactics to influence people to do what you think is right or yeah. what will benefit you financially, and also control, it does make it easier. Um, you can see more people, mm -hmm. but we have mom first time moms that are laboring for one to three days all the time. And in the hospital, if you have seven or eight people, how are you going to give indiv individualized right. care and not do, you know, not screw up, mm -hmm. basically? Yeah. Um, and in, in a lot of ways, because of that trend in the 50s, like moving towards hospital for profit, we're kind of really lucky that like midwifery is still here with us because there was a time where the knowledge was almost lost. Yeah. And really, it was left to the black <clears throat> midwives in the South because they were serving large populations that didn't necessarily have access to the hospital, mm -hmm. yeah. they carried that torch and that knowledge and like really taught even like just two generations of midwives before us, like retaught this knowledge. And, and then now we're seeing like now they're midwifery schools and, but we really were so close to like 
losing that. And that's so intense. And we're actually seeing that with variations of normal birth too, twins and breaches. Mm. We're starting to lose that knowledge because um, in California, for example, licensed midwives were not allowed to be the primary care providers for someone that's delivering twins or breech birth. We still get the training because surprises happen. Yeah. Um, but we're but really just, in a, back into a corner now. In a way, what, like five years ago? Yeah, I was like, we had, we had just started mm-hmm. school. So that knowledge is fading. A lot of OBs don't know how to be the provider for breech or twin births. And um, we honestly, I don't know what that's going to look like in 10 years. Like yeah. we're going to have to regain the knowledge from other countries that don't have this fear that's not really based in science or statistics mm-hmm. around those two things. Very important because there's a lot of fear behind it, but we believe we we should be fearful because that's not based in science. Mm-hmm. And the safest way to go is through the hospital route. For a couple, uh, let's say me and my future wife, mm-hmm. we, we want to do we go the natural route when uh, when the when she goes into labor, what happens? How does that look? I love this question. We we give this spiel all the time because even our clients that have been with us now for months and months and we're approaching this due time, it is still foreign, <laughs> still right? Like, there's like, what, what happens How now? do what I know? You've seen like time. on TV, right? Your water breaks and it's like a crisis. That's yeah. not how labor works at all. Yeah. Um, that's a really qu- good question. So our clients, we're on call for them 24-7 from the time that they come into care. So they have access to our on-call line. Um, so in labor, we do... Leading up to that point, we do our like birthday prep visit where we talk about the different scenarios of how things can look like. And um, we talk about like when to call us in labor. And it's a little bit different, right, for a first time mom or a fourth time mom. The guidelines vary a little bit because the speed um, is usually a little bit different. But um, we guide people to if it's like a first time mom, call us when contractions are five minutes apart, lasting a minute for at least an hour. Mm-hmm. And so our clients are calling us, hey, I'm giving you a heads up. This is what's going on. Um, and then we're going to go through all of our questions at that time. How's baby doing? Have you eaten? Have you slept? Those things are like game changers, right? Because for a first time mom, when contractions are five minutes apart, lasting a minute, we could have hours or we could have a day or two because birth is not linear. Um, and so at that time, then we're giving guidance to the clients. Okay, call us back if your water breaks. Call us back if you have any concerns. And definitely call us back when contractions are three minutes apart, lasting a minute for at least an hour. Um, and then depending on what's going on, we might even have a couple more phone calls after that. Again, because birth is a long process. Um, but we're guiding our clients through that. So really different than the hospital where a lot of times clients feel like, oh, I'm going to go to the hospital. And then they're going to tell me yes or no. Yeah. We're in communication with our clients. We help figure out Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's time to get together. Let's get to the birth center. And typically we'll say, hey, we'll see you there in like 30 minutes. Um, And then we... An important part of that is the doula. So in the beginning, we require doulas now for all of our clients. And in the beginning, we were like, we're going to make an option and encourage it. Now we require it because there's no... We have not found any reason why someone should not have a doula. Mm -hmm. Women have never until recently given birth alone, like in any tribe Mm -hmm. or any culture, any village, it was always a group of women around that person and they had support. And so doulas are just a part of our birth team. Mm -hmm. They lower statistics. They do lower cesarean and even death rates. So they're, they play a really intricate part in this. So they're going to be calling their doula the first, when, when labor first starts the same time they're calling us and we communicate with the doula. So normally they, they go to the woman's house, the family's house first and there'll be an early labor and kind of setting up a plan, making sure the woman is eating, mm. staying hydrated, emptying her bladder, 
all of the things that we are all trained on, they know they do have some medical knowledge um, and birth experience. So the doula plays a really mm -hmm. important part because they bring a sense of peace and security. Mm -hmm. And they also help guide the parents of when it is time to go. Because mm -hmm. we will be on the phone several times with, no, it's still not time. Yeah, it's yeah. still not Almost time. There. And they're panicking. Yeah. So having a doula there, they're like, okay, everything's cool. She's here. Mm -hmm. yeah, She's I, been through this before. I can imagine how comforting that is to have someone who mm -hmm. has been here and you know you're approaching that point mm -hmm. and someone is saying, they're at least with you and saying, yes, we're approaching it. But also, like you said, eating well, sleeping well, mm -hmm. prepping mm -hmm. the woman for a really, you know, birth can be really powerful. So just prepping that whole yeah. process is really, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And the continuity too. So like mm -hmm. Allison said, a, we, a lot of labor is done at home, right? We're getting together at the birth center and like very active labor. So having a doula that's at your home and then coming to the birth center with you, you have your person and that continuity is so important for continuing to feel yeah. safe and secure because we don't give birth if we don't feel safe. The mm -hmm. body's like, there is danger out there and my baby is better off inside my body. So that comfort mm -hmm. is so important. Mm -hmm. um, so then when our clients get to the birth center, we ideally have the room all set up. Sometimes things happen fast, but the medical equipment's always in the room. Um, and we're really cautious of letting things settle when we arrive, right? So we're not in a hurry. Birth is a normal process. Um, our clients, you know, bring their blankets in and put their food in our fridge. And, and then we do our set of vitals, right? So it's like all of this amazing holistic care and like being present with the mom, but we want to do all of the safety procedures too. And um, so we listen to baby with a Doppler for an extended period when we first get there. We want to establish a good, um, we want to know what our heart rate baseline is for baby. We yeah. want to make sure that there's good variability, taking blood pressure, pulse, temperature, um, and then we're just kind of hanging out. <laughs> so we pop in about every 30 minutes. That's, um, usually, you know, depending on what's going on, that's usually how often we want to listen to baby's heart rate. Cause we do, um, intermittent monitoring, mm -hmm. which statistically has been shown to be safer for low risk families. Cause with continuous monitoring, you're going to have some ups and downs and you're going to take unnecessary steps and do those unnecessary interventions. Um, so we do intermittent monitoring and yeah, we're really just holding space for that, like, natural process to unfold. Yeah. So if things are moving forward well, and yes, we can hear like these contractions are getting stronger, mom is becoming more vocal, we're not gonna be like, okay, let's pause this and do a cervical check. Yeah. Why would we disrupt that process if we don't have any questions? Mm -hmm. So we even tell our clients in advance, we'll do exams only if we have a question that we need answered. And even mm -hmm. then we're gonna explain why. Mm -hmm. We're never gonna be like, it's time, cause that's not, birth doesn't care about the clock. Mm -hmm. um, and dilation, it doesn't, oh, I know that's means what, very little. <laughs> you get, you start getting vaginal exams in prenatally when you go to the, the OB, they'll check you like starting from like 36 weeks to see where you're at. And it means nothing. You're mm -hmm. taking nothing. A woman can be at zero mm -hmm. and then be fully dilated within hours mm -hmm. or she can be at seven and then a lot of variability. Pause. Like yeah. there's no, yeah. So we only try to, we do things when we're going to get information that we can use to like yeah. You said take action. And most of the time, honestly, when we're offering an exam, yes, dilation is a small part of what we want to know, but typically it's to figure out baby's position because mm -hmm. babies need to be in this kind of ideal position to come down and out. Mm -hmm. um, and then if we're in a position that's not ideal, then we have lots and lots of tools to shift those things. So we do spitting babies, which is a whole philosophy around different um, movements and body mechanics that help babies rotate to the right position to come out. Um, we do, you know, like side lunges and belly lifts, all of those things. Those are the main tools at our disposal to 
get the baby into the right position to come out. Um, and in the hospital setting, typically, if we're not moving forward in a linear way that is seen as ideal, they're going to default to augmentation with Pitocin, which if a baby is not in the right position, they're just going to be stressed out by this additional pressure on their head on the, and on their mm. body um, and the cutoff in circulation when we have those intense contractions, but we're not going to move forward really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a long process and we're just present for it. And we really only intervene if something is looking like it needs our intervention, it needs our help. Um, If, go ahead. (laughs) Some of the things are emotional. Like, and we, one of the most common things, actually, especially during COVID, um, Mm -hmm. people weren't feeling safe. We had a lot of people transferring in late to care because they didn't like the regulations in the hospital. They they didn't feel safe. They couldn't have their partners or support people, even doulas. So a lot of the times instead of doing a vaginal exam or something else, it's doing a emotional intervention, like getting in there, finding out. Cause like she mentioned, our brain can stall labor. It can yeah. stop it if they don't feel safe. Um, things like sexual abuse or stress, mm-hmm. anxiety. So it's, we have our amazing student, Lauda. She's an RN. Um, a lot of the times she's come in and we'll do like sound healing or just an emotional release. And then you'll see mom will just wow. move forward. Like wow. then the baby can be born. So sometimes there's something there emotionally, which of course in the hospital, they don't have the time or s- tools or training to do that, but it's a really important part of labor. Or, or the setting. I remember coming mm-hmm. into the clinic and you guys have it really dialed in. I don't know around the rest of the country, but they're like rooms and the lighting mm-hmm. is great and the bed's great and everything is set up for your nervous system to go, ah, like yeah. it's okay, it's safe. And I can imagine being under fluorescent lights and all these noises and machines and people walking by your room, regardless of even if you're in a good headspace, your nervous system is still like, what was that? What was that? What was that? Every alarm go up that goes off, like there's studies that show like the cortisol, all the adrenaline, everything that's released every time those noises happen, slow down labor or they can cause issues. It's, it's, it's just incredible that at the very least, even if we brought people to the hospital, why we haven't dialed in the environment, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I, I, that's been a part of my process and research and working with patients is well, how's your nervous system responding to the yeah. environment? I talk a lot about environmental toxins, but it's also like the lighting and, and the air and the sounds and um, none more important than when you're ready to give birth. Yeah. You know, you need to give your body the signal that it is a safe world for mm-hmm. birth. So um, the woman's ready. What happens then? Where does this, uh, you have a giant bathtub in there. Mm-hmm. Big, biggest, one of the biggest ones I've ever seen. 100 gallons. 100 gallons. <laughs> yeah. So then what happens then? They, we're moving them over? Oh, that's a wonderful, like, I don't know. That was a really good way to put that question because birth is actually, it's not linear, right? So there is actually no point of like, oh, we're ready to have a baby now. Mm. That, that's until like such a, crowning. like truly until <laughs> we see the top of the head. Because mm-hmm. um, we tend to think of it as like, we dilate to 10 and then we push. For sure. There is, there can be so, there can be an entire day between those two things happening. That's not typical, but it just happened, you know, mm-hmm. it just happened to us last week. Because um, your body is still doing the work, right? So the pushing that we see in the hospital of like, tuck your chin, hold your breath and push, that's really counterintuitive to the process because you're cutting off oxygen. So baby might struggle with that, right? If we're not breathing normally and holding our breath, mm-hmm. um, we want to let the uterus do the work, right? Mm-hmm. So that like pushing that comes organically is really different than what we see in the hospital. And it's really rare 
that that's kicked off by a provider's guidance, right? So it's really rare that we're like, we think you might be moving forward. Like, I think we're in the pushing phase. Usually we're just seeing that spontaneously take over. Um, and we're mobile the whole time. So we might be in the tub in active labor and then mom's like, I can't get grounded. Great. We're getting out of the tub mm. and then we might get back in and then we might get out again. And then we might sit on the birth stool. Um, or and be on the floor in all fours or, like, or floor. hanging from all the, over the place. Yes. I yeah, was thinking about that. We the, have this the, the the fabric hanging yeah. from the. Now let's chat about something crucial. That is omega threes. You know, I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s, and, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there, and a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Pure's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Pure is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Pure.com. Use my promo code DRG, that's P-U-O-R-I dot com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Peori. These days, these days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water, or kombucha or coffee or tea, but not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. Yeah, Feeling. so it's it's not, yeah, it's not so linear. Like the stages are there and we really only know that they've happened after the baby's been born. Right. Um, and so we're really following where the mom wants to go and we're looking at her reaction to her environment. So um, a lot of people obviously want to give birth in the tub. It's really relaxing and gentle. But um, like I mentioned, sometimes clients are like, I can't get grounded in here. Like I'm just 
floating around. I don't have gravity going with me. So sometimes they'll be like, do you want to try? Like, try land. Like, let's see what we do with a little bit of gravity. And that can be at any point. It can be in active labor. It can be with spontaneous pushing. It can be in transition. Um, So it looks really different for everybody. And then we're just, we're just kind of waiting. And once we hear like these amazing spontaneous pushes, then we're like coming in the room and our Mm. laptop comes in the room and we're still just charting. We still don't know how long it's going to be, right? Like it can be 10 minutes later. It can be five or six hours later. And so, yeah, and that's a, that's a really tight, actually, it's typically more (laughs) a wider range. Um, and we're just like supervising, like mm-hmm. truly, truly in that time. So we're only going to give guidance with position if we're seeing like something is not working mm-hmm. or like the client doesn't seem like they're doing well in the spot. Um, but yeah, they can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. They can be on the toilet. They can be. Yeah, wow. they really do. Everything we follow their lead. It's mm-hmm. it's really different in the hospital setting, especially if, if you have an epidural. You don't know when it's time to push. That's when the nurse will come in and check. Oh, you're fully a face like in your dilated it's time to push. And we have a higher rate of tears and postpartum hemorrhages because you're, you don't have, you're not able to feel when it's time because you only want to be pushing when the uterus is working. So that's one of the things we always educate our clients because one, one question is, when will I know when it's time to push? Will you tell me? Yeah. And it's, it's not, you're going to tell us again, we're empowering you. You're going to let us know when you're feeling that pressure Mm -hmm. And everyone is different, um, but it's a really important part of the the process because it just that one thing, letting them tell you when it's time to push, cuts down on so many interventions, mm-hmm. and losing a lot of blood, and also managing the placenta. We don't go in and take the placenta out. We wait for you to deliver the placenta. Mm-hmm. We will guide you. You know, the the best position position is to be squatting. That's how it's been done for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not only it's not always the most natural. It can be uncomfortable, but Letting that process take place cuts down on on death. Like that mm-hmm. is one of the that's one of the things managing placentas. We see women that have really terrible postpartum hemorrhages that lead to um, blood transfusions mm-hmm. and death. And so there's no reason to get in there and manage that unless mm-hmm. it's a retained placenta or something that's a really small percentage. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just having faith that these things happen, but also not being on a schedule where we want it to be done within. So, you know, the average is delivered. Placenta comes out at like 15 minutes, but it can be up to an hour. Yeah. And that's okay. If mom's, her blood pressure is good, we don't see bleeding behind, then we're just going to wait. What I'm hearing a lot about is getting back to mom's nature, mm-hmm. right? And and opening the space for individuality mm-hmm. yeah. and knowing that birthing is different for different people. Yeah. And the empowerment is the most important part for me, right? Because so many women go into the hospital room and everything is put in the hands of everyone else. Mm -hmm. But you are actually promoting listening to your body. Are you comfortable here? No? Then move. Mm -hmm. Like, you mean mean I can move? I I didn't know. I thought I had to be here. But that's really powerful, again, to the nervous system going like, I'm safe. The baby's safe. I'm empowered. I'm I'm the mom. This is my body. And and me and the baby are intimately connected in this process. That's beautiful. That's, I mean, that, that, retains the sacredness of birth, which we've lost so much conventionally. Um, okay. When it comes to midwifery, what are some of the myths that you hear? Because uh, I know a lot of people have different perspectives, but I know first visit, someone has sat, and sat down with both of you and said, hey, what about this? And you're like, okay, let me clear that up. I think the most common myth is that we're like all hippies and like wearing weak skirts and just singing kumbaya. Yeah. And I'm like, 
no, like I have a license from the medical board, and yeah, no. they don't, they don't think really we're medically sing. trained. <laughs> that's they that's don't definitely the, the biggest training. thing. Yeah, mm. and even the um, clients that have like faith in the natural process, and they're like so excited to be with us, they might not know that like. We carry anti-hemorrhagic medication. We have Pitocin, Methadone, Cytotec. We have IV fluids and antibiotics. Mm -hmm. We have tools to help babies breathe. We take the same neonatal resuscitation class as the hospital staff. So um, I think that's the biggest thing is like <laughs> just people don't realize like, yeah, we're licensed by the med we're the same board that licenses your OB. We're licensed by them. Um, but we don't have teams training. to default to. Mm -hmm. So we do, we're trained in neonatal resuscitation and also shoulder dystocia, things that would, where the doctor is there to catch baby and to suture. But if anything goes wrong, there's another team that will come in normally. And we, that's us, midwives do that. Mm -hmm. So we're always practicing shoulder dystocia, mm -hmm. resolving that um, in, in RP, what else? Yeah, yeah, it's... Um, IV placement, mm -hmm. like all of the, the emergency interventions yeah. that we do, we practice on a consistent basis mm -hmm. to yeah. keep our, our skills up. And we even practice breech birth, which we're not allowed to do mm. because it happens. Because right? the surprises, yeah. yeah. Oh, it just, it, it happens. It yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. We had one recently. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Out of the blue. You don't know. Like they're not, babies move in labor. Yeah. And yeah. until you see a foot or a butt, you don't know. And it was really, <laughs> it was awesome. But luckily we're trained. We actually have mm -hmm. some of the most amazing midwives in the country in San Diego. We're really lucky. One of them is um, trains on spinning babies and breech birth, and mm -hmm. she is the one that goes into hospitals. She's trying to keep this alive because we need to know that this is just another form of normal. Breach yeah. is not that scary. 11% mm -hmm. of cesareans are breech births just because they don't know how or they don't want to deal with it. So we just schedule mm -hmm. cesareans. Mm. Um, and one thing that's really cool about our license that kind of extends to this same thing that like we're the emergency care providers for baby and mom is that we have one of the few licenses that does extend to mom and baby. So we do get to treat that dyad, which is so important at every moment, right? So um, whether we're talking about the six-week visit, looking at baby and mom's nutrition, how's baby gaining weight, all those things are linked, but also in the immediate postpartum too. So um, like Allison said, we're also the providers of neonatal resuscitation if we're having to do that. And we know that that connection from the birthing parent to the baby is so important in those moments, right? It's not just about what I do as a provider. It's about a parent calling their child to earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, another huge difference with care at a, a birth center or home birth is that we don't clamp and cut the cord right away because you're as long as that placenta is attached, you're getting amazing oxygenated blood from mom circulation to baby. More so, than half of the baby's blood is yeah. still in the placenta when they're Whoa. born. Yeah. So, so when we're, you cut it off. Yeah. If we're trying to help a baby come to and inflate their lungs and we're using all of our tools, why would I cut off that lifeline? Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. So even if we're having to do those things, we resuscitate babies on mom. Even in the tub, right? We drape baby over mom's shoulder and we're able to tuck their little heads back and use our PPV device right there on mom. Um, and we even educate our clients before birth, hey, we might ask you guys to suck out the mucus that's in baby's nose or mouth. And then we or might have you give a little puffs of air because that connection, right? You're calling your child to life. Um, we get to do that because we're not in an environment where a foreign team is coming from another room Taking them. just for that mm -hmm. baby, right? Mm -hmm. it, and it's they're not independent. They just came from this person and they're still so deeply connected. Yeah, we've seen a big difference when we're doing resuscitations using our equipment versus having the parents involved. Some parents 
depending on the situation or hands off, whether it's they're nervous. But when the parents are involved, you see baby coming back way quicker. Like we have a better response much faster. That's a sacredness that yeah. is being taken away. This is, this is the part that really uh, lights me up to know that that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, because there isn't, I, I'm such a believer in energetic medicine. Actually, I am a major believer in energetic mm-hmm. medicine and physical coming from that. Um, but that's the energy bond right there right. from the get-go. As soon as the baby comes in the world, having that bond together, talking about breath and connection and mm-hmm. bringing life, um, I can imagine. Have you ever had um, one of the, let's say, the, the the mom's partner there, whether it's her husband or her boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, have an emotional response to the whole process, how sacred it is? Yeah. Oh, all the, time. all the time. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm, I'm, the reason I ask is I'm imagining myself. No, it's there. super emotional. Like you'll see, that there's you'll see partners that are more invested or more involved during prenatal. But when the baby's born, you see the, the reality of everything. Like you see their true who they are, <laughs> their, their reaction. They might have been Mr. Tough moment. Guy. Oh yeah, and not you know not super involved. But once the baby comes out, mm-hmm. more than more than not, it's the partner crying. Moms cry, but usually it's the partner crying, like weeping. And it's just such a beautiful, and the way it's done, because I have attended hundreds of hospital births as well, and it's really different. So this process, it's not that it's not beautiful. It can be beautiful in the hospital. But the connection, like you said, and and just trusting the process and seeing their partner birth that way, it can be very raw, and it can be scary to hear or see someone you love it sound like they're suffering or in pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so having faith that they know what they're doing and they trust their team, when it's done, it's just like a huge sigh of relief and it's so beautiful. And babies normally respond in a really different way. And I've seen that personally, my three children in hospital versus the one that was born out. Babies are just aware in a different way. Mm-hmm. They know what's going on. They feel safe. It is quiet. If they're born in the water, sometimes they don't even know they're born yet. Like we'll have to like kind of wake them up. Wow. They come out and they still feel like they're wow. in the womb because they're in warm water. Yeah. And we make sure it's at body temperature. Like all of these things we think about. Um, so it's really beautiful how it touches partners and it changes them. And like many times it's like, I can't imagine doing it any other way. Mm-hmm. Like one of, one of, I, I just picture how how sacred that process is it's got to be so beautiful mm-hmm. um and in school we didn't see anything like that mm-hmm. so um i would i would yeah you guys should come out with a documentary that's what you guys was just thinking about we always <laughs> talk about that right this is ashley's goal she's like we're gonna do a documentary or or a reality series yeah <laughs> to make it more normal that would we be really that. difficult but it would be amazing like for people to see how this is because that's our goal is to normalize birth mm-hmm. it shouldn't be scary we need to take it serious. Like you do need, yeah. especially when it's not normal, like we need to understand how important nutrition is, mm-hmm. your mental well-being, your relationship, um, your environment. Those are really important things, but it shouldn't be scary. No. And it is. And that's the question we get every time we're doing an interview. It's like, so what happens if something goes wrong? What What if she's bleeding too much? And I always, I've asked my clients several times, like, do you ask your doctor that when you're touring a hospital or you're interviewing a doctor? Like, do you say what happens if... Mm-hmm. My wife is bleeding too much. It's not a question you're going to ask. First of all, most a lot of doctors wouldn't. I don't know if it would be insulting to them or it's, maybe they just don't feel comfortable asking. But clients don't ask that when they're in a hospital right. environment. Right. They always ask us. So it's cool we get to explain. Like yeah. it is, we are trained. It is a safe, you know, mm-hmm. we have a plan. 
Yeah. We have a backup plan. We do <laughs> utilize our medical knowledge and we call 911 if it's needed. Yeah. And that's the biggest myth that you busted because there's a lot of people who are like, okay, well, what if something goes wrong? You were mentioning the training that you have and the therapeutics that you have or the mm -hmm. medications that you have. That's there for them. Mm -hmm. So there's already a major security blanket. Yeah that they can relax on. And now they can just go about nature the way it intended. We also know them in a different way. So already it's safer because we know mom's normal and baseline. We've got to know her throughout her whole pregnancy. So it may not be that her, maybe her blood pressure looks fine, but we can see that something's off or mom might say, I just feel like something's wrong. Yeah. And we listen to that and we will honor that. If she doesn't feel like it's safe anymore, then we're done. Yeah. And that's something different and, you know, different from the hospital setting. Mm -hmm. I, and I love that um, to, to go back a few steps, you, you work in the beginning, even from the fertility aspect in the center, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Preparing uh, mom and dad for this process, which is so important because a lot of uh, fertility docs will really put the microscope on mom. Mm -hmm. And um, earlier in the segment for the show, talking about all the things us dads really need to start watching out for yeah. early on, ye years before uh, even conception. So... Um, I love that you, you all doing that. You work with a diet big time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do you find that most people come in eat, eating foods that are not conducive to conception and, mm -hmm. and a healthy birth? Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, even our clients that feel that they're really conscious about what foods they eat, it's still not always ideal for conception or pregnancy. Mm. I think people feel like, well, my diet's like very regimented. I count this and I count this and I count this, but we're looking at, <laughs> we're in a world where for women, especially like eating is, it's a hard topic and we're often trying to regulate quantity and maybe are hypervigilant about that. But in pregnancy, we see more situations where we're not eating enough. Mm. Like beyond, I think a lot of clients that come to us generally eat good quality food, not always, right? Occasionally you get some people that you're really starting from baseline of establishing, right. like it's ideal to make food at home, like really getting that going. But we have a lot of clients that they're not truly just not eating enough and it takes a lot to sustain the body, whether it's preconception or in pregnancy, right? Yeah. You have a much higher caloric need when you're trying to build reserves in your body. And this is kind of where like, Western and Eastern medicine comes together, right? It's like you have to have good chi. You need good life force and you have to be fed <laughs> to have mm -hmm. those things to create a baby and sustain a healthy pregnancy and then have a good birth. And then through the postpartum too, I feel like a lot of times we're really focused on birth, which is obviously very important. Um, but really anything that's happening in your pregnancy is going to have repercussions for breastfeeding mm -hmm. in the postpartum. So we're not just planning for the birth. We're planning for then feeding a child on the outside. And so um, nutrition is so, so important. So important. hundred percent. I found that when I was working, uh, in fertility, how poor standard Americans mm -hmm. were eating. And I'm like, of course your body doesn't even mm -hmm. want to get pregnant. Right. You know, your sperm is not even viable. Mm -hmm. These habits in, of the standard American are blocking us from having so much vitality and chi, right? To bring a child to, to mm -hmm. earth is, is, is so important. Um, after the baby, uh, I want to know something. How often are we seeing moms suffer with depression? Mm -hmm. This is a topic I was just talking about two weeks ago with someone um, because her sister got uh, postpartum depression. How often is that? And do you, do you all know why we're seeing so much of that? We have the highest rates of postpartum depression in any developed country in United America. United States. Yep. Wow. Isn't it? 
has to do with a lack of support and a lack of community. Mm -hmm. So we can go, there's two sides to it. Yeah, nutrition, like physically being ready for that is huge. If someone's not thriving, which is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. If you're not eating right, if you're not getting, it's 80 to, 80 to 100 grams of protein a day for a mom to grow a baby and thrive. And when you tell people that, we have them like write down, do a diet diary for one day. And having them track like, so one egg is approximately five grams of protein, yeah. like seeing if they're getting there. Most people are re really far below that. So that's why we're preparing them ahead of time for the postpartum period. It's actually one of the most important and it's the most difficult. Like she said, babies grow and babies are going to be born. Mm -hmm. Even if parents don't have good nutrition, it's going to happen. Postpartum for moms to make milk and to thrive is really hard. So that lack of community where normally you would see aunties and grandmas and mom cooking, they're right. helping with the baby. We don't have that, mm -hmm. especially in this area, like Southern California is really bad. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people that are not native here, so they don't have a lot of family. We have a lot of military in San Diego. So we are, that's one reason we do our postpartum visits at home. So we go to their home for the first two weeks. So they're there. We want them to, we want to go into their environment and help create that sense of safety and community. We also have our, um, the lactation counselor that will go to their home. Even our, our um, holistic therapist, she does postpartum visits in their home. So it's building the team for them. We do uh, meal trains. We'll help them set up a meal train to make sure they have food delivered because normally they're not eating enough, like she mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. They just don't have time. They're exhausted. The partner does not get time off here, so he has to go back to work. Um, so she, if they're really amazing and they do meal prep, that's great, but... All this takes a lot of preparation yeah. and education. So it's the lack of community is probably the biggest reason why we have such high postpartum depression rates. And in hospital, it's going to go into like interventions and stuff. It's, you know, it's a whole nother mm -hmm. ball game, but mm -hmm. this and is just, our environment. Just like the complete lack of follow-up in the postpartum, right? With um, a traditional OB, you're at the hospital for about 24 hours after your baby is born, and then you don't see anybody else... You don't see your OB again until six weeks. Maybe you see your pediatrician a few times in there. But again, pediatricians are not really treating the dyad, right? So they're only looking for signs of, like, catastrophe in babies. Um, we do about six visits in the first six weeks of life. And then we do an eight-week follow-up physical assessments, like a well-person day for mom. And then we do a three-month follow-up. And we're still on call for our clients 24-7 in that window. So we um, occasionally will have a mom and a baby that need more monitoring and um, we'll be at their house every other day or every day and calling and doing that follow-up. And then we get to be in the same room with the birthing person and assess their mental well-being versus, mm -hmm. yeah, in other environments and other situations, they're just kind of out at sea. We have a lot of clients with the... The subject of, of blood loss, mm -hmm. if a mom has a hemorrhage, which is very common, like we can we can handle, you know, she loses a thousand cc's of blood. We know right then she might have a more difficult time with her milk, so producing milk. So mm -hmm. right there, like just because we've talked to clients, they give birth in the hospital, they go home, they hemorrhage. They're fine. They do a CBC before they leave. Their blood level is okay. But all of these things can happen. Three to five days, your milk comes in. So then we're working, getting her on her iron supplements, getting mm -hmm. her eating. There's so many things you can do to prevent these issues that are going to mm -hmm. come up that cause such anxiety and depression because mm -hmm. that you're not thriving. Like you need that support. Yeah. Six weeks is insane to be mm -hmm. trying to navigate that on your, 
own with yeah. no support. Yeah, and on top of that, not even really getting good food because, mm-hmm. you know, you're one, you may be exhausted, you know, taking care of the baby, and then dad's back to work, you know. So I love that you all do the postpartum follow-up mm-hmm. and, and guide moms so they feel that sense of support. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't have their auntie there mm-hmm. or, their, or their mom's mom or their mom, mm-hmm. it's okay because they, at least they have that support. Yeah. I, I would expect that to lay the groundwork for depression for certain women, right. whatever population, because community is so important, nutrition is so important, feeling safe is so important, and also having the connection where you're producing milk and the baby's feeding. Mm-hmm. All of these are essential, sacred steps mm-hmm. that need to follow through. So, I mean, I just love what you guys are doing down there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we love it too. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, and I do have some, uh, for everyone listening, I'll, I'll attach some videos in the show notes um, that of my my time down there and learning about what oh, you all okay. are doing would be really cool. Okay, so uh, is there anything else that you found really important that we didn't talk about um, that we should tell this audience who is now, mm-hmm. many of us, the first time hearing ever about midwifery um, or, or learning more about it? Anything that we should know? I have something that I think is really important. Okay. So this type of care is hard to find. Insurance doesn't normally cover it. So... There's all, we started a nonprofit for that reason. So we have Thrive Wellness Collective. We function as a community center. We want to make sure if people need to see us, you know, for, for pregnancy care or any of the practitioners that finances do not keep them from doing that. So, but in just in general, there are, so there are some birth centers that take insurance. A lot of midwives can't though, but there's insurance. Um, what are they called? Health shares. Health shares yeah. There's one particular that I was doing um, research on, it's Liberty Health Share. And mm-hmm. if you have that before you're pregnant, they cover out-of-hospital mm-hmm. birth 100%. Wow. And they also cover like ND, um, massage, chiropractic. So it's really, it's a different type of insurance, mm-hmm. but a lot, we educate people on it when we're doing preconception. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if this is what you want, like you could sign for up for your... this insurance. Yeah. Yeah. But we have the nonprofit and we really are trying to just make sure that people are getting lifelong care and Look mm-hmm. to other organizations that have, because there are other organizations. Um, Every Mother Counts is out there. Mm-hmm. And that organization was started by Christy Turlington. And she mm-hmm. sent, they do the same thing. Like they support midwifery care all over the world. They really focus in the United States because that we have such bad yeah. rates and mm-hmm. outcomes. What's um, that called? Christy Turlington? It's Every Mother Counts or Every Woman Counts? Every Mother Counts. Yeah. And, and is that a database? Or where we can find midwives around us, or is there a database? No, there is. Yeah, there is a, a website called C Midwives. Um, I think it's pretty right it's now more like localized about San in Diego. San Diego. Yeah. Um, it, one of the reasons for that too is there is a difference in our licensure state to state. So it's been kind of hard to get like national organizations going. In California, we do also have CALM, mm-hmm. um, California Association of Licensed Midwives, and you can search the Directory of California Midwives there. Midwives. Okay, so if I'm in Athens, Georgia, would a midwife have the same privileges as California, or does it, does it really vary? I actually don't know. Yeah, so every state is totally different. It's really interesting. So we also have our, we have our other license, our CPM, and that's considered our national license, but not every state accepts it. I see. And then California has an additional layer on top of that. That's why we're also licensed midwives. Um, it was and there illegal are in still, Chicago. Yeah, there's still some states where it is illegal to have a midwife They just changed services. it. It was in Chicago? Just yeah, recently. Chicago okay, just wow. recognized licensed midwives. Yeah, but there yeah. are several other states where it's still it's 
basically illegal to New have York. anyone attend an out-of-hospital birth, wow. which is wild. Um, so, yeah, so that's why it's hard to have, like, the national registries. And those it sounds like we just true. have to do our research, yeah. make some calls, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, and for those of you listening, we, we now know a lot more about what midwifery entails, and then we can ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, and as long as they're empower- empowering us the way that you all are. Um, but what is the name of the center? Termaline Birth and Wellness Collective. Okay, and, and where is it? <laughs> in San Diego, California. Okay, and uh, and it's integrative and it's amazing. And I and I went there last year and I'm gonna put some videos up. And um, where can we find uh, the website for the center or on Instagram or UEIs or anything? Yeah, so our website is termalinecollective.com. Um, everyone's on there too. Our wellness providers that yeah. we refer out to are all accessible there. And then our Instagram is just termaline underscore collective. And we're constantly posting our like classes, services, education on there. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much for Thank doing you. what Thank you all you are doing in this world. It is a pleasure to have you here. And um, yeah, I just, when that documentary comes out, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would love to just make a, a quick appearance, maybe walk into another circle <laughs> and we'll have a really cool moment on there. But uh, I appreciate you both. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for having so us. Right. I appreciate it.